Wow, the Lord has been so good. I hope you've had a good week, enjoyed Him. Um, you know, I had a lot of blessings this week. The rain, that was one thing I was grateful for. Not everybody got the same amount of rain that we did, so just be careful when you're talking about that one. But I was thankful for the rain that uh, did fall here. I was also grateful that some children that had made decisions through the summer were saying, you know what, I want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. We met with them and they're excited. They're ready to uh, go forward with that. So we're rejoicing about that. But I'm also so thankful to God of how he calls different ones of our congregation. It calls them to missions. And so I wanna invite what has been known as the Garmel Girls, if they would come and uh, just share a little bit about what's coming up because they have a, a fantastic opportunity that is just ahead on a mission trip, and I want them to tell you about it. So let's welcome Olivia and Kim Garmel. Hey, Olivia. Thank Good you. to see you. Good morning, church. Um, let me pull this up. Sorry. My, oh, one second. Uh, my mom and my sister, who is not here, and I have felt like we've been very called to participate in what we would call an advocacy trip that is taking place in Kampala, Uganda. Um, this is going to be, we'll be there over a period of 10 days, September 18th through 28th, so very soon. Um, what we are doing is we are partnering alongside a nonprofit organization called Hashima Ministries. Hashima exists in Uganda, and they are used to educate, empower, and equip the women and children in Uganda. And what they do is they bring women into their program, who oftentimes these women are in broken families, whether that be a divorce situation or sometimes they're in good families, but oftentimes they're left as single moms raising children by themselves. And so they bring those women into their program. And over a period of six to eight months, they teach them marketable skills, whether they teach cosmetology skills and sewing skills, and then launch them onto their own path of self-sustainability to be able to provide for their families and their children. Um, it's just a really cool thing that they do, and they provide them with all the supplies that they need to be able to send them off into the world to do their own thing. And so what we get to do is we get to partner alongside these women, and we get to encourage them. We get to see what the Lord is doing. We get to hear their stories, and we get to share our stories of what the Lord is doing and has done in our lives. Um, we get to just love their children, meet their children, and just spend time with them just getting to know who they are. What we desire to do is that come back stateside and be able to advocate for what the Lord is doing there. Because the truth is that the Lord is already in Uganda and he, they are hearing the gospel spoken because the women of Fushima know the Lord and they're teaching them. They do weekly Bible studies with them, mentorship programs. And so they know who the Lord is. And so we get to go and advocate for what he's come back and advocate for what he's doing there and advocate for what we believe in. Um, we call this an advocacy trip versus a normal mission trip because instead of a normal mission trip of going and doing, we're going to learn and share. We're not necessarily going and building and giving them things. We're just going to learn and share their stories and come back and tell their stories to all of y'all. Um, this is something that I've always desired to take part in and especially knowing Hashima Ministries for the past, past several years, I would say this desire was deeply planted in my heart about a year ago. And I just continued to pray about it, continued to talk to the owner of the organization, who's a dear friend of ours that's going with us. Um, and I know when I first went to my mom and told her about it, it was like, seemed so far out of reach. She was just, no way, not flying all the way across the world, just very, like, not happening. And I kept praying about it, and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep praying. And I would go to her nearly every day. I was like, okay, mom, I've prayed. 
I know the Lord's calling me to this, so I'm just going to keep praying that he's going to change your heart, because I know he can. And eventually he did, and now we all get to go with my sister, so <laughs> took a little bit of convincing. But um, there are certainly parts of us that feel inadequate and not able to do this, but we know that if the Lord has called us to do this, then he will provide and he will be faithful. And so as a church family, we ask that y'all would just be praying for us, that you would just pray for our safety, our team of six as we travel, but that you would ultimately pray for the souls of the women and children that we're encountering, that if they don't already know the Lord, they would come to do so and know what abundant life is like in him. Um, we, the Lord has called us to go and preach the gospel to all nations, as it states in Mark 16, 15, and it is such a gift that we get to take part in that. So we just ask that y'all would pray with us, and mom's going to share something real fast. <laughs> Sorry, that was. I can't compete with her. <laughs> um, I do want to tell you though, um, as her mom, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Anyone who knows me know that's normal. Okay, so uh, my heart from the very beginning was, yes, I should go. God made it very clear to me that, yes, I do need to go be with these women over there. I want to hear their stories. I want to share my story of Jesus in my life, but I think, gosh, Kim. <laughs> so silly. Um, I think more, oh my goodness, more than anything, God wanted me to watch my daughters do what is their calling. Gosh, sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, God wants me to be there to watch my daughters do what they have been called to do. And this is going to be my last opportunity, I'm sure, because they're growing up. And so I'm going to go do this. And yes, I'm going to be there and share. And yes, I'm going to love on these women and these children. I'm also going to be there as their mom and watch them do their thing. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, <clears throat> okay, now, down to business. There is, a there is a flyer in your bulletin that kind of talks about it, and there is a QR code on the back. Mm, it's not quite working very well. We tested it. It's just not working. So there is going to be a, there's a QR code up here right now that this links you to an Amazon, to an Amazon link that will purchase things for Hashima. Hashima is the nonprofit group they're going with. These things will be used... Um, teaching the women, teaching the children uh, there at Hashima. Um, so if you would like to just purchase some items that we will be taking with us, you can do that. These things will not be sent to you. They will be sent to Misty Newsom and Katie, and then we will be packing them and taking them along with us. So that's one way you could help us on this trip. Um, this code does work if it doesn't work on your deal. So this will come back up at the end of the service, and you can come by and take a picture of it then. Um, you can also give um, just to the trip if you wanted to donate money for our trip. And you can um, contact Olivia and I. Uh, Hashima, you can do that on the, uh, there's Hashima a website. Hashima website listed on here. You can do it there. You can also give money to the church, and they will give it to us. Just be sure in the memo to put um, Hashima or the Garmo girls or however you want to do that. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for praying for us. Sorry, I'm so weepy. I'm a mom. <laughs> Thank you all.
Kim and Olivia, we love you guys so much, and we thank the Lord that you're willing to go and to serve him. I thought it'd be appropriate if while it's fresh on our minds, let's go to the Lord right now and let's pray for them. Their trip will be here soon. And uh, as Olivia said, her sister, Mary Claire, will also be going with them. So let's pray for them right now. Lord, I thank you so much for the way that your kingdom values things differently than in the kingdoms of man. That Lord, in your kingdom, you said you value servants. You value, you value servanthood. And they're going to serve. They're going to care. They're going to equip and train. And so I just pray that you would use them. Thank you that they're going to share the gospel. So I pray that you have blessed their testimony, blessed the sharing of the gospel message that goes out through them. I pray that you would also use them to encourage the national believers that are there working with Hishima Ministries already. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would be with the people of Uganda. I pray that you would love on them and help them to know that when Jesus died on that cross, that he died there for them as well. And so, Lord, thank you that we can stand with them. And so any way that you want to use us uh, as a church family to support, to pray, to encourage them, then I pray that you would use us. But thank you once again for just continuing to call out so many different ones from our congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Don't worry about it, Kim. I know that uh, Jeff Coleman down here, Stephen Tice over there, these guys, they understand what it's like to release kids to the Lord's mission work. So I understand exactly how you're feeling. I would like to invite all of you to turn with me to Luke's gospel, gospel of Luke chapter 17. Our voyage through the sea of truth, you could say, aboard the vessel, the gospel of Luke, brings us to the biblical waters along the 17th chapter, or we could stay with this uh, analogy of the voyage and say the 17th parallel to the south. From the 17th chapter of Luke, we can admire four beautiful, lush islands of the gospel, gospel truth. For example, verses four, one through four speaks about this island called forgiveness. Have you ever been to the island of forgiveness available to you in Christ? It's wonderful. As a matter of fact, if you read verses one through four, you'll see how once you taste of the fruit of forgiveness, you then become someone who can forgive others who have hurt you. If you were to go to verses five through 10, you would see there's another one, another island of gospel truth, faithfulness. There's something about what Christ did that makes us want to be faithful with whatever assignment that he gives to us in life. Are you faithful to the assignment? Are you faithful to that assignment because he went to the cross for you. If you drop down to verses 11 through 19, where we're gonna be this morning, you'll find another incredible, beautiful island, thankfulness. Thankfulness for all that he's done for us. Thankful for those blessings. And then if you were to read beyond where we'll be this morning, uh, verses 20 through 37 of chapter 17, you would see the preparedness, that there are things that we need to be ready for the last days because they're coming. This morning, our port of call, like I said, will be thankfulness. Do you know that thankfulness is mentioned throughout the scriptures? It's mentioned 102 times in the Old Testament, 71 times in the New Testament. Are you grateful today as we assemble to worship the Lord? 
I know of a man that I'm sure was grateful. Let me tell you his story. Last year, somewhere between the New Zealand's Taranga port and this isolated British island of Pitcairn, a Lithuanian engineer fell. He fell overboard from his cargo ship. No, he had not been drinking. His son told reporters that his father, being the chief engineer, had been working the night shift. He was down in the engine room, making sure it was pumping the fuel correctly, and suddenly he became really hot and really dizzy. And so he thought, I need to go up on deck for some fresh air. No one noticed when he just suddenly collapsed and fell overboard, went into the water. No one noticed, as a matter of fact, for six hours. Finally, someone says, you know, once everybody starts getting up and moving around, have you seen the chief? No, I hadn't seen the engineer anywhere. Meanwhile, the man that fell overboard, he did not have a life jacket. Remember, he was, he was in the engine room, but he falls overboard, and so he would have perished if it had not been for one thing. You see, as the sun began to rise, he noticed a black dot on the horizon. So he'd been treading water for, I don't know, maybe an hour, maybe a couple hours before the sun came up. But finally he says, you know what? Whatever that black dot is, it's my best chance. I'm out in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific Ocean. So he just starts swimming toward the black dot. He finally arrived and he discovered that it was an abandoned fishing buoy. And so he just clung to it until he was rescued 14 hours later. Perhaps you feel as though your strength is giving out. You've been treading water for a long time. Maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you're beyond discouragement. Maybe you feel hopeless. You feel depressed. I believe God's got a word for you today. See, you need a buoy to keep you afloat until help arrives. Do you know what I think the closest buoy in life is? The closest buoy you have to keep you up is to just give thanks. It doesn't take a lot to just pause and stop the machine for just a moment and say, Lord, you have been good to me. So my encouragement to you as we read this true account in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19 is, swim to the buoy of gratitude. Just go there and watch what the Lord will do. Let's stand together. I want to read these verses. I want you to stand because we at First Baptist, we honor God's word. We respect God's word. This is a different book. This is a book inspired by God, completely true. Everything that God has said here, you can depend on it. It will work in 2022, just as it worked in days gone by. In Luke 17, verse 11, it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 leopards who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. 
And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Oh Lord, stir our hearts. Stir our hearts this morning. Someone that's here today may feel like they're just about to go under. Let them see that you have been there all the time. Let them see that you are worthy of their gratitude, that you're worthy of them giving thanks. For you have done so much for us beyond our current circumstances, regardless of how we feel on a given day. So speak to us fresh and new. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me give you a few observations about gratitude as it is described for us in this great passage. The first observation related to gratitude would be thanking the Lord for his presence. You know, Psalm 46, verses one through three, the psalmist says, I will not fear. I will not fear. Even though maybe I feel like being afraid, he says, I will not fear. What are the circumstances? Well, he lists about four different scenarios. Though the oceans roar, though the mountains give way, all of these things that would be traumatic, cataclysmic things to take place, even though those things happen, he said, I will not fear. Why will you not fear? Well, the psalmist says in Psalm 46, because God is a very present help in trouble. Have you ever been in trouble? I mean, you were desperate and God was there. You didn't know he was there at first, but he was there. You see, another expression of gratitude, I encourage you sometime, read Psalm 91. Read Psalm 91. Verse 15 says that I will be with him in trouble. God has made so many promises that he will be with you right there in the trouble. In our text here in Luke 17, Luke was unable to pinpoint the exact location. Did you notice that? Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. He's passing through a borderlands somewhere between Galilee and Samaria. It was a risky area going near Samaria. As a matter of fact, in Luke 9, 51 to 56, when Jesus first started this journey toward Jerusalem, guess what happens? One of the Samaritan villages said, you're not welcome here, Jesus, you and all those other Jews, because we Samaritans and you Jews, we don't get along, so you're not welcome here. So, I mean, couple of the disciples being the godly, compassionate men that they were said, Lord, you want us to just call some fire down on them right now? We can do that. All you got to do is say the word. And Jesus rebukes them and says, really? You've been with me? No, he didn't say that. But anyway, he did rebuke them and they did go on to another place. But we're not even told. We don't even know the name of the village. It just says, hey, village. You ever feel like that somehow you're living in a borderland? Somehow you're off the radar. You feel like, the, is the place where I'm living in my life, does it even count? Does anybody even know my name? Does anybody know where I am? 
Do you ever feel like you are in an emotional village and you feel like I'm all by myself? I just wanted to let you know something from this passage. Probably these 10 lepers felt like they were all by themselves. But notice help was on the way. The lives of 10 men were about to be changed for the rest of their lives, that's for sure. Jesus was going to pass by. That's why the first observation, why can you give thanks? I just want to call it overlapping encounters because you may not know that God is there, but whatever it is you're going through, Jesus is there. It's overlapping. He's there. There was a song written many years ago by a lady named Fanny Crosby. Keep in mind, Fanny Crosby couldn't even see. She was blind. And yet she wrote so many wonderful songs. And she said in a song called, Pass Me Not, she said, while on others you are calling, do not pass me by. I know you're working in other people's lives, Lord, but I'm just saying, don't pass me by. Maybe there's somebody here today and you're in such agony and you're saying something similar. I just want you to know he's not passing you by. He's not passing you by. He is here for you. He's a very present help, it says, in time of trouble. Now, what I want you to notice in our text in verse 12, watch how the overlapping encounter, how Christ is there, how it intersects with the overwhelming need overwhelming need. You see, Luke introduces us to 10 men who were living, if you want to call it that, out there in this desolate area. And the Bible says they were lepers. They were lepers. You see, lepers back then were outcasts because of the seriousness of the disfiguring skin disease. It was infectious. You didn't want to mess with leprosy. So I got to thinking about some that may feel so isolated from help and hope. And you're saying, you know what? It's overwhelming what I'm going through. I just want to remind you that Jesus is there when you feel overwhelmed. There's another old song that says, he came to me. It says, he came to me, oh, he came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died on Calvary. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. He's coming to you. But what you have to say is, I want you, Lord. You have to say, I want to move closer to him. If he truly is here, I want to move closer to the Lord rather than farther away. Isn't it normal when we go through hard times? Don't we, the first default setting we have is, you know what, if God really loved me, if God was really in my life, I wouldn't be going through this. We pull away. But what you see happening here, it says he was met. He was met by 10 lepers. He came into the area, he came into the village and they said, he can help us, let's go to him. Are you moving closer to the Lord in prayer? Talk more to the Lord about it. Whatever it is that's overwhelming you, don't shut down talking to him. Notice what it says. They were standing at a distance, but suddenly when they see him, you know what they start doing? They started lifting up their voices and they started saying, Jesus, master, 
have mercy on us. I don't think that that's always been my default setting. If I'm just transparent and honest, you know what sometimes I feel like? I remember when my dad, when he suffered from brain cancer, I remember thinking, Lord, he's a deacon. He's a soul winner. Lord, he's in your house every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Lord, he goes over, he and my mom, and my mom bakes cookies for the widows and my dad mows their yard. And I remember struggling with it. And I remember thinking, I don't understand. So here's the other thing that stood out to me when they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Let your approach be with humility rather than pride. Don't go saying, we deserve something better than this. Don't do that. Go saying, oh Lord, you're the one that we're looking to right now. Oh Lord, we're asking for mercy. We're not saying we're entitled to anything. We're saying, Lord, would you have mercy on me? When you have an overwhelming need, I want you to know God is there. And I wanna encourage you to go toward him rather than away from him. There is a third observation though about gratitude in this true account. It only came after they trusted, after they obeyed. That's why I wanna call it an overextending command. Why? Well, let's look at it. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's it. He didn't say anything else. Nothing else is recorded. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Wow. You know, this was actually biblical. If you were to go to the Old Testament book of Leviticus, I don't recommend it for a quiet time. I mean, if you're reading through the Bible, you got to read through Leviticus 14, verses 1 to 32. But just trust me on this. There are other places that will feed your soul just a little bit more. But anyway, it says that whenever someone was healed of leprosy, you know what they had to do? If you're going to get back into society, because remember, they're outsiders. If they come near you, they're supposed to shout, unclean, unclean. But how would you know when it's okay for them to go back home, to go back to work, to move back into the neighborhood? How would you know? Well, the way they knew was the priests would check them out. It was a seven-day process. It was fairly long. But the problem is, it's not a problem for Jesus to say, go and show yourself to the priest. The problem was, they weren't healed yet. Did you notice what it says? And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, can you imagine being a leprous man? And the Lord says, go show yourself to the priest. And you look at your skin and you think, but nothing's changed. I'm not healed. Are you going to trust him, what he says? Are you going to obey him in what he says? Or are you going to say, no, we don't do it that way. I want to see it first and then I'll do it. Well, these guys must have taken Jesus at his word. And he says, and as they went to the priest, they were cleansed. Man alive. I wonder sometimes if the reason that I'm not thankful, the reason that we're not thankful is because we're not obeying. There's something that is stopping. It's a block on God's blessing and God working in our lives. And so maybe we're reaping something because of 
our disobedience. We're not honoring him. We're not trusting him. Sometimes I believe that that could, in the end, rob us of gratitude for the goodness because there's a refusal to step forward in trust and obedience to what he's already said. Wow. But all I can tell you from this record, the biblical record says, and as they went, they were cleansed. You see, leprosy or the word leper, it occurs 68 times in the Bible. Let's just think about it for a moment. Think about how serious leprosy was. Of course, it was an infectious skin disease. But here's the thing, it didn't kill you. You stayed alive. And so you had to linger with this skin disease that's causing the tissues of your body to slowly degenerate. It deforms the body. It attacks the nerves. It's not just a skin disease. Suddenly, you would be, say, boiling water around a campfire back then, and you would pick up a scalding pot, and it would be burning your hands like crazy, and you wouldn't even know it because it kills the nerves. We're not told their, their symptoms. We're told that leprosy in general would disfigure the hands, the feet, the face. Earlobes would begin to thicken. Sometimes one's nose would just collapse. Fingertips would curl into what they called a claw hand. Skin would become scaly, all these different serious things. And so that's why I want you to understand what we're talking about before we look at verses 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. You see, what I call that is overflowing gratitude. Because I don't know if he had the clawed hand. I don't know if there was something on his face, on his hands, the skin. Something changed and he noticed it. And so what does he do? You see, I wanted to point out something about over, overflowing gratitude. When your gratitude is so deep and so strong, it's surging, you can't help some things. Let me describe it for you based on verses 15 and 16. Overflowing gratitude doesn't care what others do. You see, it just says that there was one man, the other nine keep going. One man says, uh-uh, I'm going back. And they said, he said to go to the priest. He said, I'm going back. He pivots, he goes back. So overflowing gratitude doesn't care what the crowd does. Overflowing gratitude says, you know what? I'm going back to Jesus. Overflowing gratitude doesn't care if others hear. Look at this. This guy goes back and what does it say he's doing? He's praising God with a loud voice. Let me just unpack that loud voice for you. In the original language, Greek, it's called megalos. It means a megaphone. It's where we get the word megaphone. He's got a megaphone praise happening. He's like, I don't care if they hear me. The Lord's been so good to me. I'm going to raise my voice and I'm going to let them know that I am glad of what God has done for me. That's overflowing gratitude for you. Overflowing gratitude also says, I don't care if others see me. 
I don't care if others think I'm a fool. But he said, I'm going to fall down at Jesus' feet and I'm going to say, thank you. I thank you. You see, overflowing gratitude only has one thing that it's obsessed with. I must thank Jesus. I must thank him. But not everybody does this, right? Oh, he did it. The Samaritan did it. But not everyone does. And that's why I wanted to also bring out something else. It's a tendency. A tendency toward overlooking. You ever overlook anything? I mean, people can have a high IQ, right? They can have a high IQ and have a low GQ. The GQ is the gratitude quotient. Maybe you heard this story before, but I heard a story about a potluck dinner at a church. A mom and a little boy are standing in the line and a man is seeing how the little boy's getting anxious. The line is so long. So he comes up and he gives the little boy an orange. He said, here, Sonny, here's you an orange. So the mom is so grateful. And so the mom says to the little boy, now, Johnny, what do you say to the nice man? The boy thought to himself and he said, peel it. <laughs> it's like, ah, man, how could you miss that? That was like, you know, such a good set. I mean, we're playing t-ball now. It's like set up for you. What is going on there? Peel it. Oh my goodness. I guarantee you she took him out of the line for a while. Oh, let's don't go there. But of course, Jesus did not command the lepers to give thanks, right? He didn't say, you go see them and you make sure you come back and you thank me. No, he didn't command that. He doesn't command it, but notice how he's so pleased that this one Samaritan guy came back and did it. The one guy came back and did it. Jesus asked the grateful man three closely coordinated questions about the other nine. But the last question slices wide open what the real issue is. God was not the center of their thanksgiving. Have you ever heard people say, I'm so glad I got a new cell phone. I'm so glad I got a new car. I'm so glad I was able to get that job. I'm so glad I passed that exam. What's missing in that? They're not saying, I'm so glad God gave me this. God helped me do this. There's someone missing there. They're overlooking something. But notice verse 18 carefully. Let me read the question one more time. Jesus observed something in the Samaritan man's life and he says, was no one found to return, here it comes, and give praise to God except this foreigner. If you go back and notice when he gave thanks, it says he gave thanks to Jesus. When you give thanks, do you give thanks just for that gift? Or do you give thanks to the giver of that gift? There's a difference. I was talking to Abby's boyfriend, Miguel. He said one of his favorite songs is a song by Natalie Grant. I was bouncing the sermon. You know, if you think it's rough hearing me for 30 minutes, you should be in my house. Those who are in the house hear it multiple times. But Miguel said, you know, it reminds me of Natalie Grant's song more than anything. Let me just lift out four different statements she makes. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Oh, help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. You see, verse 19 takes this man's thanks to a whole nother dimension. 
I call it the overshadowing declaration because I'm sure that the other nine, when they went to see the priest and they said, look at us, I'm sure he said, I declare you healed. No problem. Your leprosy is gone. That was a miracle. That was awesome. They should give thanks to God for that. But all I just wanted to say is, this man hears a declaration that's on a whole nother level. You see, in the ESV, it says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I don't think we always understand what he means by well. But after all week studying this, let me tell you, he doesn't just mean well physically. I like what the CSB, Christian Standard Bible says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. It saved you. And so I thought, man, it's the same word used in Luke 7:50 when a sinful woman anoints the feet of Jesus with her tears and with some special perfume that she pours out upon his feet. And the Lord forgave her. And what he says to her is, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. Maybe you'd say, yeah, but that, that's so easy when you're not the one suffering. Okay. How about if you take verse 17 and you say, I'm gonna give thanks in my suffering because I can praise God for who he is. Verse 18, you say, okay, I'm gonna thank God because I am saved and I know Christ as my Lord and Savior. But I just wanted to point out, others have been through a little bit harder time than me and you, you know? How about this guy, Martin Rinkart? He was a pastor in Ellenburg, Germany and from 1617 to 1648. The year after he started his pastorate there, a war broke out. It was called the Thirty Years War. The Thirty Years War. One of the most destructive wars in Europe. It took eight million lives. Some were soldiers, some were civilian. But that pastor, he was there during that whole time. It says that at some times when he was caring for the sick, burying the dead, at one point he was doing as many as 50 funerals a day. Overall, they estimate he did 4,480 funerals in his life because after the war or during the war, then a plague breaks out of all things. But in the midst of all the suffering and the loss, Pastor Rinkart wrote this hymn and you won't believe it, of all the topics. Now thank we all our God. I don't know if you've heard this one, but the second verse says this, oh may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us, to keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills of this world in the next. Uh, that's where we sometimes forget. It's not all about right now. We want it to be, but it's not all about right now. But regardless if he does or he doesn't heal you, if he does or he doesn't give you a gift, if he does or he doesn't open up that job opportunity, the thing I want you to know is this Samaritan said, I got enough, I got enough to turn around and to go back and to say, thank you, Jesus. You know, he's been so good to me just because of his grace and his love, his salvation. He's preparing a place for me in heaven, along with those of you who know Christ. 
So would you do an about face? Would you be willing to say, you know, I've been going this way in life and God has been so good to give me these things that I have in my life, but you've never done an about face. They call that in the Bible repentance. It's whenever we realize that our sin is so serious, living without God is so serious. And so we do an about face and we go in Christ's direction and we say, I'm going to trust what he did for me on that cross. He died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. So let's stand together. I want to give an invitation and you never know when someone may be ready to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. So let me pray. During this song, it just simply says, he touched me. Don't you know, my dad was saved in a factory. And you know what he was doing? He was working, but as he was working, he was singing this song right here. He touched me. Would you come and let the Lord touch your life? It may not be a physical touch, but I guarantee you, spiritually, it'll be transformative. You come to Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this time. You be exalted as we look at this passage together. Now we wanted to extend an invitation in Jesus' name and invite anyone that is like this Samaritan man, they're going in a direction, but they haven't said thanks. They haven't returned to Jesus. So maybe some here need to repent and believe, to turn from sin and trust Jesus' finished work on the cross. I thank you that even though you were placed in that tomb, three days later, you arose from the dead. You can bless them and help them, encourage them. So God, you speak during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.